We got some dumbass This is Unshackled with Imran on justicenews.net Unshackled with Imran on justicenews.net Hey, Craig, how you doing, man? I'm good, how are you? Man, I, I'm good, I apologize. I missed your call and I, I couldn't uh, send you any uh, communication and all of that. Yeah. What I want to do right now, uh, Craig, is I want, I want you to tell me exactly what happened in your case. Alright. How many minutes do we have right now? Uh... I probably have about 10 minutes left. And then can you call me back again? No, not right away. They make us wait 15 minutes and we lock in at 1.30. I apologize. I'm not, I'm not like yeah, that. I, I know I know it can be busy out there. Yeah, I definitely understand that. You know, I don't say that to families, dude, that I I was busy. I had another case because that just demeans the other person. So no, no, yeah. all cases uh, have value, intrinsic right. value. Right, so exactly. What, what happened to your case, Craig? Tell me in five minutes that you can. Well, basically, I knew the guy that originally was arrested on this case, and I went to visit him in prison. And then after about a year of him, well, not even a year, about six months of him being in prison, he came to escape. And when they invested him for attempting to escape, they go through his visiting records, phone records, all that, and that's when they found out that me and him were knew each other. So the people, the detectives that were investigating the attempted escape, they probably, they had a legitimate reason to investigate me. And they did, they, but they couldn't show that I was at the scene of the crime. So, but the same prosecutor was on both cases, on the escape case and the attempted home invasion, the home invasion case. So when the detectives for the escape case gave all their records to the prosecutor, the prosecutor told the detectives for the home invasion to show my picture to the victims on the home invasion. Now, mind you, the victims on the home invasion were at this hearing where he attempted to escape, so they were witnesses in both cases. So this was likely their second time seeing my picture. So when they saw my picture again, they identified me for the home invasion. And this is what led to the arrest in the home invasion case. Uh, there's no evidence against me except for the eyewitness identification evidence. There's no fingerprints, no DNA, no confessions, no statements from co-defendants. All they have is two of the witnesses pointing me out 18 months after the crime in a photo array. Where were you at the, at, the, at the day and the time of the crime? I was at work. I worked at DuPont Marshall Laboratory at 35th and Graves Ferry in Philadelphia. So did they check the record? Yeah, they checked the records. At, at trial, my, my uh, the human resources coordinator from my trial testified. And that's a whole other story because after I got convicted and I got the transcripts, they altered her testimony so that the appellate courts, it didn't even look like I had an alibi. What? How can I do that, man? This is Unshackled with Juan on JusticeNews.net. You're listening to Unshackled. Dominique can send you the file on that. It's like a 104-page file that she can send you that shows the different versions of my alibi witnesses' testimony, and it gives us some context into how what I had to do to get them to go corrected. And once they corrected it, they claimed that it was a mistake. But through my understanding of how transcripts are, are produced, 
there's no way that this could have been a mistake. Yeah, it was. You no, know, so they it was deliberate. Yeah, so they to, Yeah, they deliberately altered my my alibi witnesses' transcripts so that the public courts wouldn't see how strong my alibi was. Because all they had was eyewitness identification evidence. And then what happened? And then, well, basically, once I got convicted, uh, well, actually, my first trial ended in a hung jury on a home invasion. So they bought, <laughs> at my first trial, I testified. They brought the detectives from the escape case to the trial, and they said they, they identified my voice in a phone conversation talking to the other guy. So they came in and arrested me, gave me a million-dollar bail. So this forced me to have to go back to trial for the second time from being in custody. And I got booked. I convicted on the second trial for the home invasion case. And now um, it was about six, seven months later that year, I went to trial for the attempted escape case. You know, I got acquitted of all but one charges on an attempted escape case. I was actually facing more time on an attempted escape than this home invasion case. But I got acquitted of all charges except one charge basically based on two phone conversations. And um, since then, it's just basically been, I've been litigating and fighting myself. And one of the reasons why I decided to go pro se is because when they first gave me an appeal lawyer, I, I called him, you know, just to talk about the status of my case. And he basically, when he told me that my alibi was weak, I knew something was wrong. I, I just felt like he wasn't in my favor mm. when he told me that my alibi was weak and I didn't have a good chance of getting my case Absolutely. over. But I didn't know that he did not see the real version of my alibi witnesses' transcripts. So by him telling me, when he told me that, I fired him and I went pro se on direct appeal. Good. And I dedicated myself ever since. Um... In 2018, my family retained Jerry Adams. I don't know if you're familiar with him out of New York. He did time in Wisconsin. Um, he's a young, younger black guy. And, uh, he's representing me now for the Conviction Integrity Unit. So, uh, well, yeah. and what's the conviction? Uh, the Conviction Integrity Unit. That's the, no. uh, the unit that the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office set up. How long did they sentence you for? Uh, 48 and a half to 97 years. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I had no felony convictions at all. Yeah, and I got 48 and a half to 97 years. Uh, how many years have you spent? I got 20 years in. You already put in years, man? Yeah. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. That's fucked up. It's like, it, 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 we're talking about home invasion, which wasn't proven. And escape bullshit. Yeah, that nobody was hurt. Nobody was shot. Yeah. Yeah. That is some crazy, yeah. crazy stuff, man. Yeah. 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 Now, I, I don't know if you're familiar with this uh, organization. You can probably search it. You'll get a lot of wrong information searching on the internet. But me and all my co defendants were part of a group called Five Percenters. And that kind of like made us targets as well. Just knowing the history of this country, you know, certain black organizations and black groups are always looked at as, you know, trying to be dismantled, trying to, you know, basically disrupt and dismantle certain black organizations in this country. And there's a long history of that. Yeah. But we were all part of a group that has been around since the 60s and is one of the few left that is still around from the 60s. And um, we were all part of that organization. That was a big motivation for 
you know, the prosecutor in the state as well as far as the sentence and prosecution in general. Mm. So anything that, you know, that's for the uplift of black people and the betterment of black people is often looked at as being, you know, labeled as a threat and, and, and made a target. And this was really the only connection that me and these guys had. We didn't even really know each other that well, but we were just connected through this organization and, and, and business. And we had met each other through that and started doing, uh, we're looking in the form of the business because of that and everything else. And uh, they basically used that to say that basically we were this tight knit criminal group that, uh, and that was really like the motivation, especially for the prosecutor. That was his motivation. There was at one point that my lawyer even told me that the DA's office had it where only he only had to work on our case. Like he didn't. You have one minute left. <laughs> he didn't even have to work on other cases. Like all we had to do was work on our case. Why did you call the guy in in the prison? Well, I knew him through the organization Five Percenters. He had called me, so he was calling me, and he, we had talked a couple times, and we had went to visit him a few times. You know, basically just as support, like we didn't know the details of the case or anything. This was just, he hadn't even gone to trial yet, so we didn't know the details of any of the case or anything. So, what happened to the organization? Well, the organization is still around. It's been around since the 60s and it's still out there and it's still functioning. They should fight for you, man. Well, I got some people that that are support and support, and uh, as far as hearing, like they're not big. A lot of them aren't big as far as like social media. Yeah, tell them to get ready, dude. All right. Tell everyone to get their asses ready to fight. <laughs> All right, I'm on it. I will. I will. Yeah. This is gonna cut us off. Tell everyone it's time to stand up. All right, so this is about to cut us off. Um, as soon as you get with me on the message. Thank you for uh, using Securus. Goodbye. This is Unshackled with Imran on justicenews.net.